We're glad that you are here today. We are going to be going through uh, the book of Luke. We've been going through that the last year and a half. And so if you do not have a Bible, you need a Bible in front of you. So if you do not have a Bible, there's some over on the lamps on your right or left. Or if you're uncomfortable, just raise your hand and and we'll run one to you. Um, This is our gift to you. Uh, just so you know, we can have a Bible right here. Thank you, Kyle. Just so you know, this was th- this video that you saw right here. We're part of something bigger than what you just see in Greeley. Do you know that? Um, right now, we have Church Project Network, and in the Church Project Network, we have five churches. Uh, this guy right here, Jason Shepard, is a good friend of mine. Um, he was a youth pastor along with myself in the Woodlands, Texas. Anyone from the Texas area? It's a small area. There you go. We got some Texas area. We, we were youth pastors down there for a while, and it was, it was wonderful, and, and it's funny how we have just gotten older, and God has called both of us to start churches, and so as we started churches, we said, what can a church look like? And one of these things that we, we said is the essence of church is house churches. So I'm glad that you're here today, but I want to encourage every single one of you to sign up for a house church, to go to a house church. This is your invitation. You're, you're, you're invited to go. And so a couple things that you should know is on your card, on your chair, there's a card. You can uh, fill out your, your email on that, and we'll give you all the information and keep you updated as what's going on. But church, today, we have an incredible passage. This is an awesome passage. If you will, open your Bible to Luke chapter 17, 1 through 19 is what we're going to be looking at. And hopefully you read ahead. Uh, If you did, you know that this is an incredible passage. So let me just get in. Luke chapter 17, verses 1 through 19. This is what it says. Now on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. As he was going into a village, ten men who had leprosy met him. They stood at a distance and called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. When he saw them, he said, Go, show yourself to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. Verse 15. One of them, when he saw he was healed, came back, praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. And he was a Samaritan. Jesus asked, Were not all ten cleansed? Where are all the other nine? He has no one returned to give praise to God except this foreigner. Then he said to them, rise and go. Your faith has made you well. Hey, I want to tell you right as we start, thanks for coming this morning. We're glad that you're here. We're glad that we, you made the decision to invest in being a part of the family of God. And as we dig through this scripture, I believe that if you have your heart open today, God will reveal some incredible things, some incredible truths about himself and about truths of about how much he loves you. So as we look at this passage right here, you can't, you can't only get three words in, and I already have to pause. And so verse 11 says, now on his way. Now on his way, I pause right there. Jared's laughing. Whenever, whenever people start laughing, it says I said something backwards or something. So well, am I good? Am I good? We're, we're okay? Whatever. Verse, verse 11. Just correct me. It's okay. You, you, guys, you guys have a little grace for me. That's all right. Verse 11, we get four words in. Did I say it right? And it says, now, on his way. Jesus is going. He's, he's 30 years-ish old, 33-ish years old, whatever. He's, he's right at this time. Um, at, at the age of 30, he became a master teacher, a rabbi. He went around. He found fishermen. 
tax collectors, sinners, and thieves, said, follow me. He found normal, average, everyday people. And he said, follow me. I'm going to do incredible things, and you're going to do incredible things through the kingdom of God. And I thank God that he started his ministry like that. I thank God that he picked the people that everyone was overlooking. I think of Aaron Havens, little tiny popcorn fart Aaron Havens. Good looking, blonde, blue eyes, way too much energy. I drove my parents crazy. Yet God picked me. He chose me. He, he loves me. And as God is looking at you right now, he's saying, I love you. You don't have to be this intelligent human being. Look, I'm using Aaron. You, know? you don't have to. You don't have to be. I have picked you because I love you, fishermen, tax collectors. And he says, I'm going to do incredible things through you. So Jesus was on his way. Now, on his way to Jerusalem, if you think about this, back in Luke 9, 51, we saw Jesus get a passion, didn't we? He said, he, after the, the transfiguration, it says that he was resolute on Jerusalem. He was resolute after Mount, the, the transfiguration. He had purpose. He had meaning. He had a calling. I have a calling to live a life telling the story of Jesus Christ and the gospel message. And you have that same calling. And here we see Jesus as he's resolute on Jerusalem. He's going through these villages and he's focusing on the cross. And we believe, if you're a Christian and you have a Bible and you've read it, we believe in John 10.10 where it says, I've come to give you life and, and to experience this full life and experience all about it. But some of us as we sit here today, we're saying, yeah, I know that like intellectually, but I just don't feel it. I don't sense it. I don't feel alive. I know all the things up here that the Bible says, but as I sit here today, I feel a little defeated. I don't feel fulfilled. Why is that? How how could that be, Christ follower? Maybe we're not resolute on Jerusalem. Jesus knew why he was here on earth. He was set for the cross for us, And he was determined, he was resolute for Jerusalem. He said, I exist solely for the cross, and that was his purpose, and he was 100% on missions. Ephesians 2, 8, 9 is a wonderful verse, isn't it? A couple verses. It says, by grace, you've been saved. Awesome. But then there's this verse 10 that comes up and says, to do good works. Grace is a wonderful, beautiful thing that God gives us. It says, I love you regardless of your actions and what you've done, and here is my grace for you. And out of that love, it drives us to do good works. So I propose to us this morning, if we're not fulfilled in our jobs, if we're not, uh, our marriages are struggling or relationships, and we're not, fu- we're not fulfilling the calling that God has set on our hearts. We're not resolute on the things that God has put in us. He's put me here, and he's put you here, wherever you are, for him. Not just this morning, not just on Wednesday house churches. He's put you in the path that you go every single second of every single day to be resolute, to take God's love and that hope to people wherever you go. So we say we're not fulfilled. I wonder if it's because our perspective is it's about us. It's not about who Jesus is. What do you think about that? 
Now, on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the borders between Samaria and Galilee. Well, if you know this time frame, Jews pretty much hated Samaritans. Back in 752 BC, a king conquered part of Israel. And that same king populated the land from people from Assyria. So if you're a Jew, you've been conquered by the Samaritans. These Samaritans brought in their foreign gods. And oh yeah, these people didn't have Jewish blood in them. So for seven, eight hundred years, these Jewish people had had to live around Samaritans. and, And a lot of people, there was a lot of just pain right there. Jesus in Galatians 3.28 says, Neither Jew or Greek, slave or free, they're all one. I didn't die for Jew. I didn't die for Samaritans. I didn't die for the rich. I didn't die for the poor. I died for every single person. Jesus, though he was Jewish, is walking through Samaria and Galilee, and he has 0% prejudice. How about you? Can you say the same? It's easy to close ourselves up and be around people like us and stay safe. And I think what's interesting here, just look at the story itself. These leopards, some of them are Jewish, some of them are Samaritans, but that tension didn't matter in their misery. You see that? I mean, Jewish people and Samaritans, they would not get along, but even these leopards in their misery, that tension did not matter anymore. So I ask us, all of us in this room, do we have prejudice? If so, there's no place of it in our life. Jesus overcame all prejudicism at that time. I made up that word, by the way. Man, I even got a snort. And, and, and not out of Chad Harding. That was Jeremy. Wow. A good place for a water break. Let's move on. Verse 12, as, he's, as he was going into the village, 10 men who had leprosy met him. They stood at a distance and called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. The more I, bit, I get about doing God's mission he has given me, ministry needs will come to me. The more we get about being resolute on what God's called us to do, to show this world this love and to talk of this this hope and inject life into dead places, the more I get set on that mission that God has given me and the more I'm driven out of his love, ministry will meet me. Is that the case? Have you found that case in your life? God will bring us ministry and God has already prepared the hearts of the people he's brought us. How many conversations have you had in your life where with that clerk or with someone at the park or at the workplace or even a family member where they're just going through it? I mean, they're going through a hard, hard place. You know, I celebrate in here because one of these individuals in in this room, and I won't point him out, his neighbor the other day gave his life to Jesus Christ. Have you ever been a part of that? Have you ever been at that part where it's, how can a human being do that? You cannot. Jesus prepares the hearts of men. We just go about resolute on Jerusalem. We go about set on the cross and injecting hope, and God does the rest. Amen? Man. And these men, what do they do? These 10 men who are near death, what do they do when Jesus comes by? You are the Lord, Son of God, Master. 
Savior, Messiah, Jeshua, you are him. We bow before you. Adonai, have pity on us. They're calling out to Jesus. What's interesting, if you think about this, they were dying. These lepers were dying. And Jesus is walking through this town for the last time. So because I'm a pastor, he was disappearing. They were dying, and he was disappearing. This was their last chance to call out to Jesus. Do you call him master? Do you call him savior? Or do you think you just have a little more time? Like, God, let me live life my way right now. Like, it's, it's really good right now. Okay? You, we are dying And Jesus is disappearing. He's walking through. I call out to all of us today in this place. Can you say that Jesus is your Lord and he's your Savior? He's your hope? If not, why? Why why are you waiting? This may be the last day that we have. And living life for Aaron Havens and being selfish, I just can't believe that that's all there is to life. Serving others. And loving others and experiencing the, loving, the, the love of God is where it's at. So maybe today is a day where you need to just, just sit and say, God, wake me up, please. I want to begin to serve you with my life. All right, let's move on. Verse 14. When he saw them, he said, go show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. Priests, okay? Priests at this time, if, if you were a leper, uh, you, you had to go around. It was a rule just back from the Old Testament. And you had to walk around and yell as people came up to you, unclean, unclean. And they would put you out away from everyone else. Like that was the law. And, and the priests, the priests were the ones that would declare you unclean. And so Jesus is looking at these men who called out to him and said, Jesus, save us. And he said, go see the priests. Well, you know what that meant? They had already seen the priest the priest had already declared them unclean so to go back into the temple after you were unclean meant that you were going to get stoned you were going to get killed yet they had a faith all of them had a faith to begin the journey and along the journey this great faith this great trust they were healed along the road I've learned in last week as we talked about this, I've learned that it's not great faith. It's the object of your faith. It's focusing on Jesus when circumstances are just out of control. When you're like lacking that faith, it's like, I just, I don't know. Well, here's what you do when you feel like you don't know. Focus on Jesus. It's the object of where our faith is. I think about us as Church Project. I think about our family. I think about how we began three and four years ago as Church Project. And, and God said, start Church Project. And we said, are you crazy? And he goes, no, for real, do it. And, and we have experienced the love of God. And we've experienced eating. Our family has experienced eating. Raise your hand if you have experienced eating the last three and four years. Some of you more than others, okay? Okay. But that was a scary move for us to make without a job to start a church and to trust that he would provide. But along the way, he has provided. Think about your life. There's scary things happening all the time in your life. If Jesus speaks, church, if Jesus speaks and he says to do something, move in that direction. We see these men moved in this direction and they were healed along the way. Some of us ask for Jesus for incredible things. 
I would bet most of us ask Jesus for incredible things, but some of us are not willing to obey when he talks. Think about Peter in the Bible. He's, he's seeing Jesus out in the water, and he says, Jesus, can I come to you? Come to me. And he jumps out of the boat and starts going, and then he takes his eyes off of Jesus and begins to sink. We need to keep our eyes on Jesus. Jesus is saying, trust me and do what I say. And the question for us today as we look at this, is Jesus the master, or are we the master of our own lives? I think it's funny as we look at this passage here that obedience brings about blessing. These ten lepers, we're going we're gonna to be obedient and it brings about blessing. But I, also see, I also think that blessing does not bring about obedience. Like these men, and we do the same thing, they call it with passion and vigor. God, heal me, do this incredible thing. Like we call out with passion. But only one of them praised him with the same passion. Do we praise God as much as we petition him? Do we say, thank you, God? So in verse 15, one of them, when he saw he was healed, came back praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. And he was a Samaritan. So, so he was healed. Jesus, sometimes Jesus is giving us the blessing. It sends us further away from him. Look at, look at these 10, okay? They got the blessing. They got exactly what they asked for. All 10 of them did. They got the blessing. But sometimes when we get that blessing, it sends us further, further away to, from Jesus Christ. They were there with him. They got what they wanted, right? Look at that. They got what they wanted. They were healed. And they never saw him again. Interesting. Some of us were so blessed by Jesus that it drives us away from him and full trust in him, dependence on him. I mean, we've already got all our bills set up on auto pay. I mean, we already have all the food that we need. Um, we already have um, all the money we need for the month. In fact, we have extra, you know. Um, sometimes we have so many things, so much blessing in our life that it drives us away from Jesus. Look at these men. They were healed. They had everything that they needed. They had Jesus right there, and it drove them away from him. They're crying out, have pity on me. Do you ever thank Jesus for saving your soul? At the core of this whole conversation. As a Christian, remember that moment that you cried out, God, God, please save me, please rescue me. And he came in and he just transformed your life. And we're like, thank you, God. And then we're out, we're gone. Do you even today, I don't care how, how long you've been a Christian, do you just wake up and say, God, thank you for saving me? Thank you, thank you, thank you. I like how this man came back in verse 15 and then he threw himself at Jesus' feet and he thanked him and yes, he wasn't a Jew, he was a Samaritan. Where there is true faith, there is profound, thankful hearts. I want to read a couple verses about thankfulness this week because they kind of transform my life. How is your heart in being thankful for God today? How, how is your heart? Are you thankful for everything? I mean, the core of your salvation, are you thankful for all the blessings that God has given you? Here's a couple of verses to think upon. Romans 1, 21. 
And if you need to close your eyes and think and just, just take these in, then please do. For although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God nor gave thanks to him. But their thinking came, became futile and their foolish hearts were darkened. That's what happens when we don't thank God. 2 Timothy 3, 2, people will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, holy. It goes on and on when we don't have thankful hearts. It becomes about us. And this one's a beautiful one. Psalms 103, 2, praise the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Praise the Lord. God was not the center of their gratitude. Hebrews 13, 15 says, Through though, though Jesus, therefore, uh, let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise, the fruits of lips that confess his name. And it says, believers, continually offer a sacrifice of praise from your lips and be thankful for what God has done. Okay, let's get down to verse 17. It's getting hot in here. Verse 17, Jesus asked three questions. Were not all ten cleansed? Where are all the other nine? Has no one returned to give praise to God except this foreigner? I think it's intriguing when he said, where are the other nine? And when Jesus asked, where are the other nine? We see what I think is the thrust of this whole passage. We see Jesus open up his heart and show us his heart in these three questions. And when Jesus is asking, where are the other nine? The thrust is this, of this whole passage. Jesus heals everyone, everyone, regardless of their age, regardless of who, their makeup, their denomination, regardless of whatever. Jesus heals. And why does he heal? He heals for the relationship. Jesus healed, and he asks a core question from his heart. Where are the other nine? I want to be with them. Christ wanted their hearts in the relationship. And these other nine, they missed the greatest moment ever of their life. To sit at the feet of Jesus and to say, thank you, God, for saving my life physically. Thank you, God, for saving my life. And Christians, do we do that? All the blessings that we have in our life, everything that God has done is because he wants your heart. It's not about that stuff. It's not about those things. It's not about the blessings. Those are just great tools that God lavishes on his children because he loves us so that we can be at his feet. We can experience that love and we can show a world that's hurting that same love. Amen? Christ wanted their heart, the relationship, and these nine missed the greatest moment ever. Let's be a people, let's be a church when we come together that we praise God. Guys, thank you for the the worship this morning. Thank you for leading us in this worship. It's when we understand what God has done, how can we not respond in worship and praise and thanks? Raising our hands, hands, saying, God, Savior, thank you. Thank you for everything that you've done. Thank you for your blessings that you've given me. It's not even possible to sit here during worship without passion when we understand the gift we have been given. When we have a heart that's full of gratefulness, 
we can't help but praise and thanks God. I want to end with a couple verses. Colossians 1, 12 through 14. And giving joyful thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of his holy people in the kingdom of light. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. It's with joyful thanks. 2 Corinthians 9.15 says this, Thanks be to God for his incredible gift. Pretty simple, pretty profound. 1 Corinthians 15, 57 says this, But thanks be to God. He gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? Colossians 3, 17, And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. The thrust of this whole passage is Jesus heals. He has healed us. And why? For relationship. And Christians, may our lives be full of gratitude and full of thanks as his praise comes off our lips. I'm going to ask us right now, if you would, just close your Bibles. This is the point where I I pray for this part of our gathering, our Sunday morning gathering, more than anything. Because this is a part where I ask us all, if we would, just close our eyes, just hold our hands out in front of us and just say, God, I want to receive anything that you want to show me today. Especially as we look at, in light of these passages, what is God showing you? And if you would, just quiet your heart, quiet your mind, and spend some time with God right now. Just say, God, as I'm sitting here, please speak to me. And if you're comfortable holding your hands out in front of you, just in submission, saying, God, I receive whatever it is you want to say, whatever it is you want to show me. Some of us, as we sit here, we hear about this life in Christ and Honestly, it it just feels like a struggle for us. A day in and day out. Maybe in this place, just ask God. Say, God, please grab my heart. Show me how much you love me. And I pray that you would instill in me a vision, a passion to be resolute on Jerusalem. To be set about my day on mission for you wherever I go. Help me have your eyes as I move about my day. Let it not be about me. Maybe even ask a bold prayer as you're here right now. Just say, God, as, as I move about my day this week, can you, can you help me out? Just throw ministry my way. Like, let someone begin to pour their heart out to me for no reason. Like, put ministry along my path so I can tell others about your love. Please prepare their hearts. Ask God even to use you to watch someone transform from death to life, give their life to Christ this week, even with you assisting. That's incredible. 
Some of us, it's a, it's a, it's a problem of, we know what God's asked us to do. He's asked us to go to the, the priest, but we're not healed yet, and, and we don't know how to do that. Like, we just, that faith, we have, we have problems with that. So please, God, ask, ask God in this place, God, please give me the trust. Let me focus on you enough to put my faith on you, the object of my faith, so I can go about what you've asked me to do. Trusting you with the results, because you're the Savior, not me. You're the master, not me. Some of us, we need to give God our life and say, I'm sorry for trying to control my own life, God. It's all about you. It's always been about you. And once again, I make it about you in this moment. Use me this week. Love me. And church, in this place, with a passage like this and with a God like this, are you thankful? For everything. Is your heart bubbling over with joy and love for Him? I'm going to ask us in a minute to just stand and we're going to go through a couple songs of just praise, praise songs to God. This is our opportunity just to worship God in this place. Some of us, it's going to be sitting here and just thanking God. Some of us, it's standing and just raising our hands or just praising God with our voices. We can praise God and worship God through our tithes and offerings in the back left. And this is what I want to ask you to do. If you have a, a child in the, in the kids area, Project Kids, Stay in here for a little bit and worship, but then quickly go with your tag and retrieve your child and come back in here together and worship. Thank God as a family. Just say, God, thank you for everything that you've done in my life, and it's about you, not about me. So church, if you would, stand on and pray for us, and then we'll go into some incredible worship. God, thank you. Thank you for saving us. God, thank you for everything that you've done in our life. God, it's about you, it's not about us. And I pray it's out of a heart of gratitude this morning we celebrate who you are and we move about our week this week. Thank you, thank you, thank you.